to be here, man. Yeah, happy to have you. Uh, yeah, I just said it, but thank you so much for being here. Um, right before I hit record here, we were talking about you know what was happening with Exit In, and um, there you said there's some stuff going on with like a trademark. And if you if you didn't mind, I would you know love to just hear what's going on with that 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 chapter and uh, how it's how it's wrapping up, and you know what's next for you and I think most of the audience knows that you're like a 40 year veteran of Exodus or something like that. You were like sweeping the floors as a kid. And why don't, like, why don't you go start 20, to 20 finish. years, 20, 20 eight, years. Eight, sorry. 18 years. I'm only 43 you're, years old. I think man. At three years old. You were on the floor. Right. No, it's not one of those. Uh, yeah, no, man. I mean, I started there 18 years ago um, as the, as the buyer, but also kind of general manager. I mean, for, those of us who remember operating clubs, small clubs 20 years ago, uh, it was a small, it was a very small team. Um, so I, I did, I lived there, you know, um, but um, <clears throat> yeah, fast forward, you know, after becoming a uh, half owner in, in 12 and then a full owner in 19, uh, you know, we lost the lease at the end of last year, we stopped operating uh, the night before Thanksgiving to give ourselves a month you know, to vacate to vacate the premises, we had two buildings down there: the exit in building and then the adjacent building, where we had put a, a bar in on the corner called Hurry Back um, nine years ago, I think. Um, so anyway, we you know we had a lot of stuff to get out of there. I mean, we inherited we literally we did inherit forty years worth of shit in in uh, the exit in building, um, you know, left behind by previous owners and operators throughout the years. Um, exit in is fifty one years old this year, but anyway, it, you know, I watched. Mercy Lounge have to move out um, earlier last summer, you know, and was and was part of that, you know, process. Went over and helped them get out, and 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 so uh, you know, I saw them go through that, and they were rushed, and it was a horribly stressful circumstance for ownership and the staff and team and everybody to get out. And I was like, man, we're not going to do that. So I gave us a month to get out, um, and uh, and so so that was it, man. We wrapped up with this incredible run of shows and Thanksgiving. We moved out, <clears throat> and then. Um, you know, I thought, uh, from that perspective, it was kind of in the rear view and then January 9th, this weird, uh, uh, January 9th, like Monday, that second week of January, the first like actual work week of January, right? Like 10 o'clock in the morning, I get a call from a reporter with a Tennessee and going, Hey, I'm writing a story on damage to the exit in building. And I want to get your comment. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, um, the, you know, the, the new owners sent us these photos and, and asked us to write a story. And uh, there's been damage to the to the interior of the buildings, and um, and it's. Do you want to make a comment? I'm like, well, can I see the photos? And she's like, well, no, I can't share the photos with you. And I'm like, well, can you describe to me what's in the photos? And uh, so she attempted to, and you know, I gave a quote or whatever for that article. I mean, it's it's the Tennessean, so it's easily searchable and and readable. I think, although probably behind a paywall, but we all know how to get around those. Um, so anyway, there's been a little drama, you know, since uh what was the extent of the damage? I don't really know. Uh, I mean, I saw the photos online, but they're like they're not great quality photos. Um huh. and you know, read the article obviously. It it seemed like most of what was in the article was was common and standard and was how we left it. Like <clears throat> I'll give it like one example was there was photos of the the guns, right? Like the soda lines behind the bar, where the gun, where the 
they cut the heads off. They cut the guns off the ends of the lines. The the vendor, RC Cola, you know, who has supplied soda to exit in for, <clears throat> I don't know, 20 years. They, that's their equipment. They come in and they reclaim that by removing the, the heads of the guns from the lines and they cut them off. Well, the article was like a picture of that with like the, like the caption under the photo was like, uh, soda guns sawed off of the lines, like saying that it was some kind of vandalism, you know? Brutally, and, brutally murdered. Dude, so it was just this like weird combination of mm. not understanding what people were seeing. And then, <clears throat> so most of it, most of it was like where we had just removed owned or leased equipment, like any standard bar restaurant move out. Right. But then there was a couple things that I, well, were unexplicable to me, but it was like, there were like, there were three broken bottles on the ground, which is not how it was when we left. And then there was a broken mirror. Um, I think that was it. Uh, I think that was all that I saw, like as far as things that were, I guess, could qualify as vandalism, which was the word that the article kept using that the building had been vandalized, quote unquote. Um, so I don't know, man, it was just weird and drama and like unexpected and not what I needed. But I'm hoping that's gone. I'm hoping that's behind us. It, it Maybe it is. It seems to be, I think. Um, but then the, the really the ongoing thing is the is the trademark and the ownership of the IP, which which is very ongoing. Um, you know, I filed a federal trademark that was approved, um, but then it was opposed by the new owners um, in the uh, there's a there's like a I think it's a a 30 day period for opposition after, you know, any mark is approved federally. And so on the <clears throat> on the 30th day, that 30 day window, they did file opposition, um, which pushes uh the matter into what the u.s patent and trademark office calls a trial it's not a trial like i think of a trial it's more of a legal proceeding um that's laid out that uh you know that per per the schedule that's posted to my wall here um if it were to go per schedule and the proceeding were to um you know to conclude were, were we to go through all the steps of the proceeding it, it looks like the oral hearing which would be the last step would be in may of 2024 so it's it's this lengthy um it's fast moving it's it's a lengthy federal legal proceeding uh that that you know could settle at any time right just like anything else uh any other legal matter it could be settled um but i don't i don't even know man it's like we're we're in like the disclosure segment um currently which i think lasts until like june of this year or something so it's nuts. Interesting. Um, it is. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, and you you, you kind of touched in on it, and I think I kind of want to you know fill fill in the blanks with for some of the listeners. You know, there's obviously what happened with you and Exit In and Mercy Mercy Lounge, um, and there's a broader kind of Nashville situation that's you know that that I've heard heard you comment on and. And it hits at the heart of like a a very, you know, I guess, unfortunately, like perennial conversation across the whole country with, you know, these artsy areas um, are these rundown areas erupting with art and music. And then all of a sudden they create the, the, the culture that consumes it. And I don't know if you could just shed a light on like what's happened in Nashville and what you're seeing, uh, where, where you're seeing reality is mapping to this ongoing kind of unfortunate, I don't know, I say kind of super unfortunate effect of succeeding from like a arts perspective in a in a emerging city. 
Yeah, man. I mean, look, it's like a hundred year old global issue, right? To your point, um, well, yeah, whether it's London or New York or Austin or Nashville, um, but, you know, we're all experiencing the same thing on some level. Uh, I think, you know, what's changed was uh, the pandemic, right? Um, which simultaneously like accelerated a lot of uh, growth and development, right? Like construction was deemed, um, what's the word? Like uh, it was legal, quickly legally uh, deemed that they would continue to go to work while like we were legally told that we couldn't go to work, right? Like early on in 2020. Um, and, uh, and, and so like as, as growth and development somehow like found a way to accelerate, you know, funding um, and the work they were doing, you know, we were, you know, our segment um, of the economy was, was closed and trying to figure out how to not, um, you know, go out of business uh, in, entirely and indefinitely. And so, you know, there was this already tilted playing field and it, and it felt like, <clears throat> you know, in 2021, um, when we finally, you know, when the show started finally happening again, the field had gone from like a, a like a, a three or 4% grade to like a 9% mountain grade in the tilt, you know, and we were at the very bottom of it. Um, so I, I don't know, I think that's, that's a, a decent analogy, like for what's happened in Nashville. I mean, um, you know, one of the fast growing regions and fast growing metroplexes of the country, um, you know, much like Austin. And, and uh, we, we just came out of this, this closure so far behind and, and the mountain felt like it was that much bigger and the grade felt like it was that much steeper. And um, so we've seen, you know, the Mercy Lounge Cannery High Watt Complex um, sold uh, for like $30 million. You know, and and, it, and it's a big building, right? Um, and it's market value. Um, it's, it's a huge parcel, but uh, you know, that's an independently operated, independently privately owned, twenty year old local music venue um, space. And uh, you know, and it's not realistic for for you know that single owner to to come up with thirty million dollars, right? Um, it's not, and you know, and um, a similar situation with Exit In, not as grandiose, but you know the parcel sold for six and a half million bucks, and um, you know I did the math eight different ways, and every which I even did promoter math on it, and you still can't make the numbers work right on a five hundred cap club at six and a half million dollars. So, uh, so it's a challenge, man. Um, I think you know the the part that makes me feel hopeful is that uh, I do see paths towards bringing those two sides together, you know, the, um, the development and growth component with the cultural component and, and figuring out how we work together. Um, but the reality is, is that right now, at least in Nashville, that's not really happening. And, um, and it's basically a, a winner take all. And, um, you know, whoever has the most gold is, is going to take whatever property they want and do whatever they want with it. Yeah. It's a, uh... So what do you, what, what does that look like if, you know, the developers and the music, like what are the creatives came together or however you were saying it? Well, there's examples of it, man. You know, I mean, um, I, you know, there's, there's a public private partnership in Austin that is purchasing um, real property uh, that, that, that houses creative spaces and in, in leasing those properties back to the owners and operators on long-term you know, 30 year leases that they can afford so that, so the creative spaces cannot lose their buildings. Um, 
there's uh you know just recently out of the uk who i think started dealing with these aspects uh of reality sooner than we did um you know and is therefore kind of ahead of us in figuring out how to manage them um you know i saw recently where new soccer stadiums that are going up are committing uh uh committing a uh, a monetary amount from each ticket sold uh, into the grassroots venues in their area which i think is a no-brainer like as soon as i think all it takes is getting you know the right people at the table and so when when you've got somebody from the you know the football or soccer um arena side or or um you know the the large scale concert side um arenas that house those when you have somebody from that side of the world at the table um across from somebody on the small venue grassroots independent side and and they understand each other's side then it then it's solvable you know because like if you got the right arena exec um there are arena execs in this country and in our cities who came up through the, through the clubs that started their careers at the club level and they understand how it works and they know and understand that if we don't have clubs, if we don't have small venues, growing independent artists, homegrown naturally, organically, that there aren't going to be Taylor Swift's to sell out those arenas. Like those folks are out there who understand that and they're on the other side of the table. We've just got to, we've got to build the table and get to it. And, and that's the, that's where we're at in Nashville is like even having the table set. If that makes so, sense. Yeah, absolutely. Are you, uh, so what's, what's the future hold for you? Are you, you're, you're, you're staying put in Nashville and trying to be a part of this uh, table creation or what's, what's going on in general? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm stuck. So, um, yeah. you know, while I'm here, uh, I, I can't, I can't, I've tried to like sit on the sideline and then I just get mad and drink and uh, that's not good. So um, yeah, man, I'm here, right? Like I got a high schooler, my parents are here. Um, I I will exit Nashville at some point, but it's four or five, six years down the road, I would say. Um, So for now, yeah, man, I'm working on that table. And um, um, we had a a great meeting on Monday that, that brought a lot of the right people into one room. I think for the first time, it was really exciting. It was around some local legislation that stands to affect uh, kind of everyone in the ecosystem from top to bottom, um, you know, and, and, uh, and it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, just like, again, back to the pandemic, like it seems that, that it takes, it, it sometimes it takes some kind of outside force uh, that's going to affect everyone to align everyone. And, uh, and so we kind of have that moment right here, right now. And, and it was great. You know, we did, we had, arena execs, we had Live Nation execs, we had uh, Chamber of Commerce and Convention and Visitors Corporation in the same room with local artists, um, songwriters, um, independent small club owners, um, you know, 20, 20, 25 people in the room sitting around um, talking about how we work together. So I think that's, that's the first step. And it's, it's hopeful. Well, that's amazing to hear. Where do you you know, so the conversations are happening. Do you have like, what's the sense of the first tangible thing that's going to emerge from that? Or what's your hopes of the first tangible thing that could emerge from it? The first tangible thing that's probably going to emerge locally in Nashville is a music office inside the mayor's office. That's what the meeting was about. Um, you know, 
coming out of and because of the pandemic, uh, we were able to get a piece of local legislation passed that, that said that um, a handful of entities here, the mayor's office, the CDC, the chamber, the Arts and Business Council had to come together and figure out um, how to protect and sustain independent music venues. And we were able to tap some federal funding uh, to fund a study um, to inform those entities of steps that they need to take to do just that. So that that is happening. That study is happening. Penn Praxis won the bid um, to conduct the study, and they have started their work. I don't know when we will see deliverables from them, hopefully sooner than later, but that's ongoing. Um, in addition to that, um, and kind of adjacent to that, uh, we have this office that I mentioned that is going to be created. The mayor dictated it in his um, metro address recently that there would be an office of uh, music. What did he call it? Uh, music, film, and entertainment. Um, you know, there historically there was a, a similar office that it's gone defunct through the administration changes here. Um, but something, some form of a music office is going to be created. It, it, it's in the budget now. It's in the annual metro budget, um, and it's going to happen. Uh, there's competing legislation about how that process is going to go, which is what I was talking about earlier. But, uh, but that's going to happen as well. And then I think the third one and the one that personally I think may affect the most change is a public-private partnership that can acquire uh, real property here. That's rolling in Austin, huh? Yeah, man. It's got this like vague name that's nondescript that always makes me forget it. Austin Economic Development Corporation. Does that sound familiar? I'm gonna get myself in trouble by saying I'm I'm like got my head in the sand over here in Austin. <laughs> you're a, and... you're a busy man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. It's the AEDC, mm. Austin Economic Development Corporation. So, uh. It's my understanding, and I've talked to them, they've been really helpful and nice. It's my understanding that they are acquiring property there, that they are helping owners and operators for culturally significant and arts places stay in their places as opposed to losing their places. And Did it's they my publicize they, the first places that are. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know that. They, they also, I think, they explained to me they have grants for, mm. for, for venues, like for capital improvements. If you can, if you can, if you can, um, simply show and prove to them hey you know if you guys will pay for grant us the money to um, upgrade our restrooms or grant us the money to upgrade our hvac or, or whatever it is these capital improvements that are sometimes hard for independent operators to fund if you can show that that's going to make you more sustainable financially and hit your bottom line in a positive um, the way it was explained to me it, it, you know there is a a path there to to have that money granted to you from the city of, of austin um seattle's doing it um, the one in Seattle is called has a cool name. It's called the Creative Space Agency. Um, you know, they've it's been a much cooler name. It's a cool <laughs> name. Uh, they've been actively doing it, and then uh, there's a couple more. San Francisco, of course, has one, um, and then it's one other municipality I'm forgetting. But but it's cool, man. It's a trend. It's a national trend, and I and I mm. think it's a good trend because it. I think, I think a lot of people in in you know the private sector. Um, the development side, um, and obviously in the arts and culture side, uh, music side, uh, 
and then in local government are kind of all starting to realize that we have a problem and we got to work together to solve it. You, you can't have these urban cores, um, you know, like completely devoid of music venues and art spaces and creative spaces. Uh, it makes for a really boring and shitty place to live and be. Um, and uh, so, so I think we're at least seeing the recognition of that. Now it's, it's taking the steps to solve it. Well, that's amazing that it's happening on a national level. And it's, and it's good to hear that you're feeling optimistic about it, especially being only two months beyond, you know, experiencing it. So firsthand with, you know, the, with the accident. So I'm, I'm just really grateful to hear that you're not like put off by the whole experience and out in Hawaii or something like that, doing surf lessons or something and completely removed from the troubles of like urban development. Not that Hawaii is not experiencing that as well, but you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, if you don't fantasize about moving in the woods, something's wrong with you in my opinion, but uh, <laughs> not yet, man. One day, not yet. Yeah. Are you, uh, what's, what's going on with um, like, what's occupying most of your time these days are you you now that you're not doing exit in are you mostly working on economic development and you know this type of uh saving the future of music venues in these crazy cities oh, that's about half of it probably um half of you know my work my work hours uh it's weird i've been like i like been i've like watched tv at night again for the first time in a long time it's really odd uh but um no, man. I mean, half, probably half of my time is advocacy work, um, you know, either with Neva or, or locally here in Nashville. And then, um, and then the other half, I've just been booking shows, Matt, you know, like I, uh, which is great. It's what I like to do. I, I got into owning venues 10 years ago because I was an independent promoter and, and because there was no way really there was no path in nashville for me um to 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 have any kind of real career as an independent promoter uh but i did see a path to open venues because there was a big need here then and so um so that's what i did and and it was a 10-year run you know we opened three and and acquired exit in along the way um and it was incredible but um you know what i learned through all that uh crazy growth and and awesome experience of owning and running venues in different cities was that uh, the part that I really like is just booking the shows and then seeing, and then making sure the shows go well and, and seeing the fans and bands um, have that experience that only ever happens when fans and bands connect uh, during a show. And, and so it's, it's cool, man. You know, it's, this is, this, this, while while the ball didn't bounce the way I wanted it to with Exit In, um, uh, it has given me the freedom and the time and the bandwidth to step back and get clear on what I really like to do and what I'm really good at and um, and best at. And uh, and so I'm just trying to focus on that. So so I booked this Riverbend Festival in Chattanooga again, uh, which is a really exciting project. I love Chattanooga, Tennessee. I have loved it there for a long time. It's beautiful. It's rad. Um, it's two hours from Nashville. It's two hours from Atlanta. It's just like this really cool, uh, beautiful place with mountains and rivers. And uh, and we've got this 40-year-old festival there that we um, became involved with three years ago. So um, that lineup came out like a month ago for, for the first weekend in June. Um, so that's a big one. It's a lot of fun. It's probably my, my biggest singular project. Um, I just launched uh, a series 
with um, in partnership with Amazon and um, and Nashville's NPR music station here in Nashville. So we're we're doing programming inside of the Amazon Tower in downtown, um, which is which is cool. We just had uh, our first show with an incredible artist named Kishana, who everybody should check out if you're not familiar with her. She has an unbelievable story. She has an unbelievable voice. Um, she writes really cool songs. Uh, she came to performing and writing through music therapy. She's a licensed music therapist first and still does that work. Um, and she's an artist now at the same time. So check her out. Uh, so we just had our first one of those. What was that two weeks ago? That's cool. Uh, working on, just started working to book our second one this morning. Um, it's a really fun project. I get to work with my old buddy, Jason, who, who started the NPR music channel here. And then, have this whole new experience of of working with Amazon and being inside this huge corporate tower that they built here recently, and um, so it's this it's this crazy cross section, but it's really fun because we're we're bringing music inside of Amazon inside the building, and we're also um, you know we're also giving local independent artists an opportunity um, to be exposed to uh, you know ten thousand employees there inside that tower at the same time so it's pretty neat um they got a venue or that, what in there no dude we do it um so <laughs> have you ever been in an amazon uh tower before no Go- yeah. i've been in a google tower but not amazon probably similar I, well hell what do i know i've never been in a google tower um <laughs> uh, yeah so it's it's a it, i hadn't either until we started working on this last year it's really cool um it's a really wild place it's it's obviously state of the art, as you can imagine, but um, there's a variety of of restaurants. There's a variety of coffee shops, um, you know, all inside there. Um, in addition to you know workout facilities and um, like uh, new mother spaces. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's a really cool facility, and um, and so there's uh, there's a big like common area there's there's a whole area called like the expressions studio um which is which is a program that you know seattle has it nashville has it i'm not sure how many other cities with with amazon have it or not but uh, so they do regular programming um with regular arts programming so there's a there's a recording studio dude there's a listening room um with like this huge selection of vinyl um, and state-of-the-art stereo where you can go in and listen to records. Um, and then there's a, there's a whole like art studio where they do hands-on art programming um, with partners in town who come in, um, you know, and, and, and actually execute the programming. And then outside of that, there's this big common area and that's where we, that's where we created the performance area for Kashana. Um, so yeah, it's wild, dude. They are building a stage that's going to be outside, but it's not done yet. That's awesome. So just kind of like so so far vibes or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Interesting. Yeah. And you got involved with that through NPR. I got brought in through NPR. Yeah, um, um, Amazon Nashville uh, sponsors um, WPLN's um, uh, Artist to Watch program which is, you know, which is all the emerging artists. Um, and uh, it's a guy that's, that runs this expressions program. This, this cool yeah. guy named Thomas here, who um, this was his idea. He said, hey, 
uh, yeah, they do something similar in Seattle, but it's it's more visual arts. They do like artist in residence visually up there. And so he kind of, you know, Nashville that idea and said, we're going to do it with performing artists here. And we're going to start bringing, we're going to bring, we're going to bring music inside Amazon. So, uh, so he, he went to NPR with it. And uh, my friend Jason Moon Wilkins said, Hey, I think you should talk to Cobb and there we go. Well, that's amazing. So it's just for like the Amazon employees or anybody open to the public or it's not open to the public. It's, it's internal. Hmm, that's amazing. Well, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's just, it's great for artists, right? Because it's like, yeah. it's, it's daytime. Like you can just run across town and, and, you know, be exposed to this, again, this, this whole potentially, you know, new audience. I think a lot of the people that work there are, you know, are new to town, relatively speaking. Um, in addition to the, to the performance itself, there's a, there's a strong video component. It's filmed and it's distributed internally. Um, um, you know, a, a, a nicely produced video cut of the show. Um, so it is, it's a great, awesome. I think it's a great exposure level um, program for local artists. Well, it's kind of full circle. So what you were saying earlier about just, you know, people, the theme of people with money caring about fostering music locally, you know, having... gotta figure it, gotta figure it out, man. Yeah. They should, uh, Amazon should fund a venue at some point right there. They kind of are. I mean, they are building an outdoor stage. So well, that's we'll awesome. Where, where that takes us. Yeah. You know? Do you know what the cap's going to be? I don't. It's a, it's a decent sized area. I mean, it just at, at glance, it probably holds six, 700 people. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is the optis, optimist in me, me, but I, I think it's, it's really interesting that our conversation naturally went this way and you got to think like music's going to find its way to happen. I mean, who, who doesn't like music? We all listen to music at all moments of the day. And at least, you know, I don't know, at least for me, the live music experience is one of the things that has been just such a rock in my life for forever. And um, I, I just have never met anyone that doesn't have some sort of connection to music and specifically live, even these people with, you know, large amounts of money coming into the city and, and, jacking up the prices so uh, yeah once again maybe it's the optimist in me but i'm i am glad to hear that these things are happening no i agree with your statement i mean uh, the version that i say often is you know, like creatives will create you know and, and are, are always going to find a way and i think the other side of that coin and is it is that you know the collective we have to be intentional about supporting it um, and, I, and i think that's the shift i think that's got to be the cultural shift i think that's got to be the private sector and and the government shift in the way of thinking is we're not just gonna let uh developers come ruin a neighborhood and the creatives are going to go create somewhere else anymore uh we've, we've got to find a better way so is this where you brought up neva is this obviously there's no pandemic well for now there's no pandemic to save the music industry from is this like a big place where neva is heading now that that kind of is mostly behind us although yeah anyway <laughs> we'll leave it at that it's mostly behind us <laughs> oh boy i think i just had COVID again actually but anyway that's what um, yeah i know a bunch of people that did that's why i brought yeah i said mostly oh um yeah no i don't i don't i don't think so um um i don't think so man. i mean i mean i don't i don't i don't I don't want to speak for Neva. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, 
I'm president of our chapter here, mm. but, uh, but I, you know, I, I don't sit on the board and I, I'm not, um, in Neva, Neva leadership nationally. So I certainly don't want to speak for the organization, but just from my perspective, um, I don't really think this is Neva's work necessarily. I mean, if it comes to like federal legislation or, um, you know, our best practices, um, across the country, uh, for Neva members, you know, I, I guess there's crossover there, but, um, I think we're really talking about very uh, local. I think we're talking about local and state issues for the most part. Um, it's hard to it's hard to address um, development nationally. A lot of it is is um, yeah. It's so so affected and so dependent on on local code um, and, and local regulation and rules that uh, it's really got to be localized. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Speaking of localized, so you said you're, you know, having fun booking shows again and just, you know, not not running a venue. Is that to say that there's no plans to have another venue in the future for you, or is it a possibility? Or there's no plans. Yeah, um, there's no plans. Um, I, uh, I I talk to people who are doing venues often, you know, and and um, I'm I'm happy to help good people. Uh, try to make good decisions when you know they're they're uh doing venues or trying to do venues or whatever um and and i, I you know i wouldn't be opposed to being involved with a venue again at some point but um i certainly don't feel like going and and opening up um three mid-sized music venues over the course of the next 10 years uh i, I did that once and uh it was awesome but uh i think i've i think i've moved on interesting uh, what, what do you, obviously, you know, someone's opening a venue today, like the, they're coming into this place where maybe there is some things happening economically or, you know, with the local government that are exciting. It's hard to imagine that you, you know, that it's going to come and save the whole ship immediately. And, you know, they're, they're coming into these environments where rents are through the roof. And what are, what are you seeing work working for someone who's opening a venue right now and what what are some stories that are inspiring and what what advice do you have in general and yeah oh boy i don't know um but to be clear yeah no one's coming to save any of us and like yeah. all this all this public sector talk um it's good i believe it has to happen um i really do i i also don't i don't it's not going to save you from anything and um but that's fine. I mean, you know, we're all entrepreneurs and uh, I mean, most of us uh, have, you know, until until Save Our Stages and SLOG, like had zero experience ever dealing with government. In fact, if government ever came around, you ran the other direction, right? Uh, <laughs> so, um, and, and it's still that way to, to, to great extent when it comes to, you know, clubs and venues and independent owners and operators or whatever. But uh, so, so just to be clear, like, that's there's no magic wand um yeah i mean if you're opening a venue you know i, I think um <clears throat> I, I, I just think it's a lot like what the record stores went through um when you know the the kind of the national um mindset was that record stores were going to were, were gone would be a thing of the past you know like um when all the big box retailers went away and that in that sector and it was oh record stores are going extinct well the truth is is that you know that that they're not and there's really vibrant record stores all over the place 
small independent record stores. Um, and you know, it's the, the people who, uh, had a really clear vision and, and, and did something really well and, and offered the community something that it wanted who have had, you know, incredible success in that sector as, um, as it was, as it was shrinking. And, and it's, it's, not a great comparison because our sector is shrinking. It's, yeah. it's growing, but I but I do think you know there's a lot to be learned there. Like, um, you know, if you're going to enter a highly competitive marketplace um, in a really difficult business, you, you just have to be really, really clear on on what you're doing, um, and and make sure that uh, that it's wanted and needed. And I think. You know, I know that's pie in the sky and sounds oversimplified, but um, you know, we could go into okay, well, you know, you make sure that your capacity fits in line with the competition in the marketplace, and we got to look at radiuses and what kind of shows are you realistically going to be able to to get to play your room, and uh, you know, we could talk about we could do uh, you know a week's worth of podcasts on that alone, but at the end of the day, it's like for starters, I mean, why, you know. And, and I mean, that's where I start when, when I return calls for people who say they're going to open a venue and half of them don't have that answer. And, and interesting, that, interesting. And that's, and that's failure. No, I think that's an amazing response. Uh, I almost don't even know what to say about that. Cause it's just such a rabbit hole. Cause I'm like curious about this. Why now too? Like, why do I want to open a music venue? I'm not opening a music venue right now, but it's a really Really interesting you got, question. You yeah. gotta have it, man. I, I mean, like, yeah. there, look, there's there's some folks here who like, um, you know, who who recognize that um, that that our black community is underserved when it comes to live. Yeah, and and they have an opportunity um, to do a project in a historically um, African American part of the city that is starting to revitalize, and it's like it's it's perfect. It's like an alignment That's of the stars. Awesome. They're the right people. They they have the right opportunity, um, you know. And and if they choose to pursue it, they're going to be extremely successful because it makes sense. It's a need, you know. This is, a, opposed, this is a potential project. It's something that's in the works, or what? Yeah, it's a potential. Um, that sounds know, incredible. Opposed, yeah, it sounds like a really great to, why and interesting. It is, and the rest of that should work out. I mean, it won't be without its bumps and bruises, but like that works. Um, yeah, it, it can't not as opposed to like the guy who's like, well, I've got this coffee shop and I got an extra 4,000 square feet in the back. So I built a stage. So like, can you help me make it work? Like, nah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Super interesting. Yeah. It's like, what's, what's the, what's like the spirit behind that? And, and running a music venue is just such a spirited business. It's, it's a, it's like a Herculean effort and the margins are thin. And uh, it's a total labor of love. So there has to be a really good why and spirit behind it. It's really well put. I haven't, I haven't heard it put that way, Cobb. Who's, uh, who are you excited about at your festival? Oh, man. Uh, well, Claypool's coming. Um, nice. Yeah, the frog, put the Frog Brigade back together after 20 years uh, of no Frog Brigade. So they're doing, they're doing animals. Sean Lennon's in the band. I was going to ask about, yeah, okay. Hey, Harry Waters is on keys, Roger's kid. Um, so I'm kind of nerding out about that one. I probably should have, I should have come in later. I should have played coy 
to not expose myself, but, uh, but, uh, I'm really excited about that set. Um, are you, are you saying like, because you revealed that you were excited about the act, like maybe the price got jacked up or something? No, no, no. I'm just, you know, I'm just being vulnerable here on your podcast. So oh, I see. It, I see. It makes, makes me feel some <laughs> kind of way. Uh, uh, man, Gail, I'm excited for Gail. Uh, she's playing on Saturday. She's got a great slot, like six o'clock slot on Saturday before goose and Nathaniel Ratliff. It's going to be a huge day. It's oh, my. A huge show. And I love her. Um, she did a couple nights at exit in last year. Uh, she is awesome. She's from Texas, like, uh, me and, uh, and, and you wish, uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, she's in Nashville and she's a, she's a kid and she's just, you know, she's just rad, man. She's just like the youthful energy and like the, nothing's going to stop me and I'm going to make it happen. And she has uh spirit and attitude is like, just reverberates from her and i'm so excited for her and it's a great slot for her so i'm excited to see her like fill those shoes big boys playing that day um i'm excited to see him uh we got 49 winchester which is like another another one of my uh exit in show favorites it's an incredible um like real country band from virginia uh jerry harrison and adrian blue are doing talking heads remaining light on friday that's gonna be cool Mavis Staples, Trombone Shorty. Uh, did I mention Goose? Um, are you coming? Can you can you come over to China? I, I'm as as you're talking about this. I'm like, I guess I have to be there. What's the date? First weekend. So so here's the play: is you come to Chattanooga the first weekend in June, and then you do whatever you need to do for the second weekend and the third weekend of June and go to Bonnaroo. Oh, there you go for the first weekend of June. What does that come out to? Like June six or something like that. Two, three, four. Two, three, four. It's possible. That sounds amazing. Come on, bro. What's what's Come the venue? All, all thirty, all thirty-three offers built on Prism. Ah, um, yes. Uh, um, <laughs> we we do it. We do it. So Chattanooga's got Chattanooga did their did the riverfront right. Like I I always you know I can't after being here twenty five years I, I compare it to Nashville like Nashville did their riverfront wrong. Like it's useless and nasty and dirty and Chattanooga's is beautiful. Mm. Um, so we utilize um, this section of grass and parking lot uh, that is across the street that parallels the river. So you got, you got the river and then you've got kind of a standard tiered up park that comes up from the actual bank to the road. And then on the other side of that, it's only a two lane. The other side of that two lane road is a big patch of grass and a big parking lot under a bridge. So we play two main stages back and forth. Once it's under the bridge, once it's in the corner of the grass. And then we have um, our emerging stage down there on the river. Uh, sits on the water and plays up the grass there. So it's beautiful, man. It's super manageable. It's like, I, I say it's like, it's a great festival for like old guys like you and me it's it's easy like you 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 will not walk 10 miles to see the music that you want to see um it's in downtown like it's nice there's hotels all around it's it's rad oh, man it sounds amazing and it's in it's, june it's a, it's a good it's a good experience man it really it really is chattanooga again like I just can't say enough great stuff about chattanooga i really love it there it's a really cool place you built all the offers on prison too thank you for that shout out i appreciate it <sighs> thanks for giving me software to build all the offers in. <laughs> I appreciate it. You know, we're, uh, 
uh, shifting gears just a tad, you know, um, Detour uh, is another place where I spend a lot of my time professionally, which is this, this, um, you know, this startup that nine of us who met through the Neva advocacy, advocacy committee launched like a year and a half ago. Um, and like briefly, you know, we're, we're basically um, networking the Indies together um, promoters and venues and, and allowing us to, to communicate, um, share best practices, share information, um, and, uh, you know, leverage our, our collective relationships all across the country. We're at like over 250 affiliates now, independent promoters and venues nationwide. Um, and, um, and, you know, each of, each of us have these incredible relationships, right? Uh, so, two, so 250 people are part of the, the detour network venues. Yeah. Wow. Um, north, north of that. We're, we're in 50 markets. Um, Amazing. Right now. Yeah. And so, 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 you know, like we're, we're bundling offers, um, not as a promoter. Detour is not a promoter, but what we do is every indie who wants to send an offer on whatever opportunity any one of these affiliates brings into the network, we'll bring them in and bundle them together and submit them as a big, as a big bundle package. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, turn them over to agent manager that way, which is super helpful in getting shows done, it turns out. But um, but I mentioned it because, uh, like, I don't know, half probably of these offers that we're bundling up are coming in on Prism. So I thought you'd like to know that. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Detour is super interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to see where it goes. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> it's really cool. I mean... You think it's picking up like, momentum? Yeah, it is. Um, it absolutely is. Um, you know, we did, we've it, done like yeah, four legs. We've done like, we've done, we've done some baby bands, right. Which has been really great. Like we did like four legs so far with Dury, this, this brother, sister duo out of Minneapolis called Dury, D-U-R-R-Y, who are really rad. Um, and that band has been exploding. So like a bunch of those dates sold out and then, you know, we've moved into larger rooms and those dates are selling out. Um, moved into large rooms on the next leg for clarity. Um, so that's been a good success story. It's been really fun. You've been working with Jackie at Wasserman and working with the band and, and just seeing them have a lot of success as a young artist has been just inspiring, man. It just fills up the tank, you know? Uh, and then Elise Tro is another, is another young artist. We just did her entire tour. It just started T R O U W seriously check her out. She's, insane does everything herself plays all the instruments does all the video editing like when you go watch the videos that she puts up like she actually produced them so cool so talented um so that one's cool that one's cool because we actually did the whole run i think it's 39 dates um nationwide tour for her mm. uh we got you know some of these Derek, uh some of these uh drive-by truckers dates what's that what's that model like so at least like what's like the start to finish of that tour getting set up and it, you know, 39 dates going through every single one went through detour. It did. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's been a little bit different every, every, every time, you know, um, but, but with her specifically, we, we started the conversation with her manager and then, um, and then the second conversation was with, you know, Scott Clayton and Marissa at UTA who, who book her, um, and also book Gail, who I mentioned earlier, by the way. Um, and you know, she, she wanted to tour indie rooms. Um, and Scott and Marissa were, 
were supportive and, and, you know, they, so we worked with them and with Jim, the manager to identify target markets that were important for her, LA, New York, Chicago, some majors that they knew that they wanted to hit because of previous touring um, or because of streaming numbers or whatever. And then, you know, we sat with Scott and Marissa and, and lined out the routing in between and collaborated to build a route. And then we as Detour went out to the affiliate indies in each of those markets um, and collected offers, bundled them up and took them back into Scott, Marissa and Jim. Um, and then um, we clear the date. Detour will go back and, and do the job of clearing the dates, challenges and clears. And then from that point forward, um, it's the venue or the promoter's show in each of those individual 39 markets. So it acts just as it would have had they booked it direct through UTA. Um, the only difference from that point forward is, is that all of, all of us are continually communicating, um, sharing our ticket counts. Um, if you want to sharing marketing best practices. Um, so, you know, we're getting on bi-weekly and comparing counts from market to market and asking the people whose shows are doing best, what's been working for them. Um, this and is that information. The affiliates are just the people involved in the tour. Um, anybody, anybody in theory can participate in those conversations, but when it comes to these tour specific conversations, it's basically, you know, the affiliates that are participating in the tours or have right. a show. Yeah. Um, but we do have these like open, you know, marketing threads on, um, on Slack and an open marketing zoom that anybody can join and talk about anything. Yeah. Fascinating. And this is a silver lining of the pandemic, right? And and I guess Neva forming and people deciding to work together and all that. Hundred percent, man. Never would have happened otherwise. Wow, it's really fascinating. So, what's what's one venue like like headliners is a part of it, for instance? Yes, yeah, for sure. So, so just Found, uh, they're they're founders. Yep. So just use headliners as an example. So they have this one detour show, but. 90%, 80% of their calendar is just kind of typical agents going to them direct and and they they have a mixture of all that or yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you picked up and and pointed that out. Yeah, I mean, our our ethos from the beginning was basically like if each of us gets five more shows this year, five shows that we would have not gotten otherwise, then this thing is successful. Um, you know, it's it's not built Detour isn't built um like to be some standalone profitable entity to to divest of and make a bunch of money, you know, five years down the road, it exists to support its affiliates. Um, where everybody, the nine of us that started it, all have our own businesses, and we just wanted to create something that strengthened all of our businesses. This is how I, all the stories start. The stories of something great. <laughs> I'm like trying. <laughs> My head is like, oh, where's where's it going in the future? I guess maybe that's just a result of living in this capitalist society, you know. Oh, I love to talk more about it, man. <laughs> what what is your future? Or what what do you what do you think? Your one thing I love about you is you are, are a very in the moment person, and I know you're not driven by like what could uh, what you could accomplish in ten years from now, but it's something cool now. But just to put put that hat on for a second, like where. Where, where do you think it could go? Like, what's the most optimistic perspective of where Detour could go? Oh man, you're Our right. Perspective I'm the wrong vision. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I'm I'm the wrong guy <laughs> to ask. But I mean, I think um, uh, there's just so much. There's all there's almost endless opportunity. I, I mean, there's so many 
brilliant, like-minded people doing incredible work um, that's for the most part localized. Um, you know, some of it starts to get regional a little bit, but even like even the big indies are pretty much local, you know, like, I mean, 930, they're an affiliate, you know, I mean, they control a lot of market share in DC. It's still just DC, you know, First Ave, Minneapolis, an affiliate, you know, control a lot of the market share up there. Still mainly just Minneapolis, St. Paul. So um, anyway, point being, um, there's so many of us that are doing such incredible work in our respective areas. And I think, I, I mean, that's what keeps me going with this thing. As you know, startups are hard. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, a downside to startups, uh, which is, you know, endless work for like not a lot of uh, return or <laughs> or upside potentially. But like, man, so for example, like we just launched our festival committee, which I'm chairing for Detour. And uh, and it's like, you got Dan Kemmer on there and you got Arden out of Mississippi on there and me and, and, uh, uh, and Brian out of Pittsburgh. And like, after an hour, like just shooting the shit with those guys, like you, I feel so, like I'm ready for like, give me, give me 10 more days of just like grinding, you know, like I'm so ready for it. And I think, I think everybody feels the same. It's like, it's just so invigorating and it's so exciting. And, and um, again, when you get these, these like-minded people who are doing really, really good work connected and talking and starting to think about how they can strengthen one another, I, I do really think it's, it's endless opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool to see, you know, Neva taking off after the pandemic and, and, uh, and detour and, you know, minimally there's the industry's talking and that's, you know, that's really inspiring and interesting. And then, you know, full circle, like all these, the, when, when these challenges happen with like, how do, how do these music venues sustain in these, you know, macroeconomic climates? Um, like I, having a stronger connected network is, is going to help for sure. Just create a better industry. Yeah. Avoid the consolidation perhaps. Yeah, man. I mean, it's the antithesis of, of the nasty side of the stuff you're talking about, I think is just the human connection. And, and, um, and yeah, the, the part that intentionally and unintentionally, I think has been really, really challenging for the independents and in, in our industry for so long is it's, it's that hamster wheel. It's that, it's that nasty side of capitalist hamster wheel effect where it's like, you're so fucking busy every day, just doing your work that um, you, you don't have time or, or uh, the ability to, to take a step back and see the bigger picture and realize like, there is a bigger picture and there's a lot of opportunity to like make massive change on a big level. And um, again, like silver lining of the pandemic, man, for sure. Are you coming to yeah. NevaCon? I am. Yeah. That's in cool. July. Yeah. DC. Yeah. July. You uh, Are you going to be there? I am going to be there. I'm excited, man. Detour is going to do the thing again. We did, we did a, you know, we did a thing at happy dog in Cleveland last year. We're going to, we're going to host some kind of a, a thing up there. We're just starting to figure out. I'm stoked. It's a, that's a fun little annual conference that I'm looking forward to. That's the Personal most amazing. Fun, that's the most fun music conference I've ever attended last year, for sure. Yeah. And like, yeah, granted, it was like coming out of the pandemic. No one has seen each other. So, yeah. But it was it's awesome. A, people say, like, it, you know, they're it like filled the gap that like that FlyCon perhaps left. <laughs> but maybe Absolutely. a little bit more organized. 
but still uh, as much party. The last icon I remember was Highcon in Denver, so I don't remember much. <laughs> <laughs> So what's your, let's wrap with this. I'm curious, like what's your, uh, what's your why of like why you're, cause you said if you're starting a new venue today, you got to have a good why. What do you think your why is to keep fighting the good fight in this industry? I mean, I love music, you know, I, I, I want, the, I, I want young artists to, to succeed. They, they deserve to, I mean, they're creating beautiful art and putting it out into the world and, and and fans need it man we <laughs> you how many how many bands or songs have like saved you at some point in your life and um we, we our society demands it we have to have it um so uh there's no other way man mm. Mm. beautiful what else am i gonna what else am i gonna do there you go <laughs> no it's uh yeah, it's a labor of love. It's good to hear your perspective on that, and I totally agree with you. Well, I, thanks, I enjoy yeah. I enjoy gardening, man, but like I can't do yeah. it every day, man. <laughs> I've got a I've got some some cactus growing. That's my new thing. Really? Yeah. Well, what, yeah. what's what's do we have time to talk about that? Well, I appreciate the conversation. I'm just gonna stop the podcast and let's stay on and hang a little bit longer. All right. Yeah. Thanks, my man. Thank you.